Hi, everybody. Hello. Doing this again, are Episode 81 of the Lab XTV podcast. Welcome in. Being with us today, as always, on the audio and YouTube side, video side, breaking down the swing mechanical breakdown series, volume 18 of Free Agent First Baseman. Freddie Freeman, who probably is going to go back to the Braves if I was a betting man. Maybe the Yankees, but I'm sticking with the Braves. Once baseball resumes, if it ever does resume, who knows? Hopefully it does. Javi Baez, we broke his swing down last week, and he just signed with the Tigers. And a lot of guys have come off the free agent board, one of them being Marcus Simeon. We break his swing down next week. But today, Freddie Freeman. I have a question for you, professional evaluator, uh, successful business owner, former coach, friend, co-host, Jake Epstein. Before we get started, where were you in 1994? What were you doing? Uh, (laughs) Trying to figure out my part in life. I was four years uh, old. 94. Yeah, I wasn't four. No. I was uh, 17, mm-hmm. 16. Okay. Uh, I was in high school. So, so 94, that, I was a sophomore in high school. That was the last time that, that baseball had a labor dispute. Yeah. And that was yeah. when the players actually striked, apparently, right? Air quotes, striked. Mm-hmm. This time, the owners have locked the players out. And I think this uh, people are missing the point of this. I wrote down a couple of notes uh, about this whole thing. This with the new CBA. When it comes, I don't know. I I really can't predict that because these things are very intensive. But I think I read the whole CBA when it was first signed in 2016, the newest version. I read it from front to back. It's funny. I went on a date with a girl once like a couple of years ago. I told her I read the whole CBA from front to back, and she looked at me like, 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 what the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with this guy? What is, what is wrong with this guy? This you is why this is why online dating doesn't tell- work. Yeah, you um, should have said you were in law school. Well, anyway, I read that, and I, I noticed some things that uh, the players maybe got gypped a little bit, and I think that things from the major league players that I talked to, just from one organization, of course. Um, they seem to be guys on rehab anyway, seem to be frustrated with certain things that were in the CBA when it came to money, you know, they got the extra seat and we've talked about that before, I think on this show, maybe off air, but how they've got that. They've got those little perks, the extra seat an extra off day, whatever it was in that last CBA. But it was kind of like, well, we voted for something and now we're seeing the consequences Right. Of the of those votes. And I think the tension started in 2017 when players realized they weren't being paid as much after they were starting to get into their major league careers after their rookie year. They still were some were being um, tendered uh, the league minimum, for God's sakes, mm-hmm. to a year or two in. And then, of course, 2018, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper hit the free agent market, and they're very late to sign. I think that's when tensions really peaked with this whole CBA mm-hmm. and now this lockout. Yeah, it's, you know, from from someone looking, you know, if you're looking into this and you're seeing that, you know, players are, these contracts that have been signed are are insane. You know, I mean, Scherzer signed a, an incredible deal. That's why I'm wearing the Missouri shirt tonight for him. You're doing it for $43 him. $43 million a year, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of money to pitch, right? He's going to yeah. pitch how many games? 26 games, you know, maybe 25 games. Yeah. So you can like do the math on that. He's going to make. Well, if he pitches, so he's making what? 26 million, you said? Or 23 million? No, he's making 43 million and maybe he has 28 starts, 26 starts. I don't know. He's going to make $1.7 million, something like that, every start. I mean, this is really incredible money. And the sad part is he's worth that to that organization that paid him. He's totally worth that. And then all of a sudden you see owners that are making money hand over fist as well. So everybody's making a ton of money yet. Nobody's happy. And that's a bad, that's a bad situation. You know, then it's the fans that suffer because you know, fans just want to watch Excuse me. They want to watch baseball and there's people that are, that are greedy and there's so many layers to the CBA yeah. that I mean, I, they'll work it out because everybody's got to make their money, but mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it stinks that it, it gets this far because then you're the fans, it automatically goes, oh, the players are selfish. 
Yeah. Right. Look how much money they're making. You know, by well, let me stop you there for a second, though. I'm yeah. not sure I completely agree with that. I think a lot well, of fans, I think a lot of fans are actually on the side of the players this time around. Maybe. I think that the owners yeah. are being looked at as the, the bad guys this time. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Well, See, in 94, think... 94 from everything I've read, it seemed like the, and you would know better you were older yeah. but the, it seemed like the players were the ones at fault this time it seems like people are really mad at these owners and i think well, i think i know why part of it is because a lot of these teams if they're not going through it right now they've been through it in the last few years they're going through that rebuilding process where teams just aren't spending and they're not putting a good product on the field and i think a lot of yeah. people are obviously mad at rob man the whole world's mad at rob manfred i mean my my yeah. My, my grandmom is mad at mad at Rob Manfred, but nevertheless, yeah, and it's you know it's hard. Like I, I don't I don't know the right side. I don't know if there's the right side, but everybody's come together and, and figure this out. But um, you know, I think of of owners of other companies. You know, owners of your local grocery store. You know, yeah. what do they have to do to to make it work? right? To pay all their employees, to pay all their employees health benefits, to, to do all, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and some of those small market teams, Cleveland um, being one of them, you know, that has a very, very small payroll and, you know, traded guys away, you know, maybe that's what they had to do to stay above water, you know, maybe not, you know, maybe not. I, I know Colorado is always accused of Oh, we'll just, you know, be middle of the pack because we'll get good fans. We have good TV. We make money at all the restaurants downtown and the owner's going to make his 40, 50 million a year. And he's not going to spend an extra 30 or 40 million a year, you know, to, yeah. to have a contender because he's just in the business of making money. And then you have, you know, uh, Steve Cohen in, in, in New York. That's like, I want to win. I got money. I want to win. I'm going to put a good product on the field and he's going to do everything he can to do it. So, you know, it's just obviously totally different markets with totally different owners that have uh, different bank accounts. Well, we're doing Freddie Freeman today and I'm looking at, for those watching on the YouTube side, I'm, I'm looking at my phone right now because I'm researching something in regards to the Braves. I read it over the summer. I'm going to try to find it here. Um, but it was some number that they put out. Okay. Hold on. By the way, you're wearing all white tonight, which I like. It goes well with the camera. Yeah, I was trying to uh, – well, I wore white earlier when I was giving lessons, and then uh, my my hair was not acceptable for the podcast, so then I grabbed the top hat that was white, and it yeah. just worked. Well, I have the um, – this is according to the – I found it. The Atlanta uh, – the Atlanta – the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The Braves financial results are in. This is this was written by Tim Tucker. I want to give him credit back on November 4th. So about a month ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't read the whole thing. But it says the third quarter revenue hit 234 million. So to your point, it's a great point you made earlier uh, about how so many teams are making money. Owners are making money hand over fist. Players are starting to make money hand over fist, and nobody seems to be happy and can agree. Was that their net revenue or their gross revenue? It doesn't say. I, I'm going to guess yeah. that it was their their gross revenue. I would think it was now, their gross revenue too. Now it, two, it's a lot to. It says run the, two, an the Braves. The Braves' 2021 revenue had reached 466 million, including 16 million in the first quarter and 216 in the second. Wow. Okay, so that makes sense. Six because they didn't have full capacity of fans. Okay, mm -hmm. so sixteen million. So I'm guessing the two hundred sixteen million. Well, let me look at Ballpark Digest now. Um, so apparently the Braves quarter two results, uh, 2021 revenues approach. This is according to uh, Ballpark Digest. 2019 levels. I. Okay, they have a sheet here. Okay, so here it is. The revenue of 2016 million exceeded the reported revenue of 208 million in quarter two of 2019, though the 54 million operating profit was less than the 62 million operating profit recorded in quarter two of 2019. Yeah, uh, that's so still a lot of money, that's though. Still that good. They're making. I mean, they're still maybe making a couple hundred million dollars a year, right? Right. Correct. So baseball is a good business right now. Yes, exactly. That's our point yeah. here. That's that's the big head. And you just hope that this uh, continues, 
right? And this labor dispute gets worked out before it gets messy and fans get upset that you know, they can't go to spring training or they, mm-hmm. you know, the season doesn't start on time. I'm wondering too if they're if people care. Maybe because it's the off season. And it's yeah. a shame too that this, That's this right. it's a shame that this had to happen though, because it really was last week leading up to the events of the lockout. It was pretty exciting with players signing where they were. Javi Baez went off the board with the Tigers just in the nick of time. Same thing with Marcus Stroman uh going to the Cubs mm-hmm. and uh Marcus Simeon Seeger, who were both of those guys will be breaking down their swing later. Well, on. I, I think but, that that happened because there there was a window there right, was a, right, and yeah. that window was closing and yeah. i thought that was cool i thought hey maybe we should have a deadline like if you're a free agent you know you have to sign your contract by december 31st you know and then you'd see that at the end i mean we you can't do that because of the holidays but you know maybe you do it december 1st you got to sign by december 1st or whatever it is and then all of a sudden you'll have all that action again and i think it'd be fun yeah yeah, you could say you could you could do something like, you know, you must sign your contract if you're a free agent, you must sign a contract by December 15th. And mm-hmm. between the time from November 1st after the World Series to December 15th, no teams are allowed to trade. The trade mm-hmm. picks up December 15th on. Now, yeah. see, that at that point, though, you'd have to do like a three tier type free agent market. Right. So the first tier you have to sign by this time. Second tier you can sign mm-hmm. by, you know, January, whatever. Yeah. Know. And then third tier, obviously. And below, I'm sure it'll be a new collective bargaining agreement. We just came up with a whole new collective bargaining agreement for everybody. In, in <laughs> yeah. the we last should call somebody. <laughs> we should call Tony. Rob Manfred. Do you have any <laughs> thoughts on the uh, reported um, two balls that were being used? That's a, that's a, that could be a scandal right there in, in and of itself. Yeah. That's I mean, not I good. get it. Uh, I, I get it though. I mean, I've been trying, we've been trying to get baseballs at the facility since, you know, the middle of last year. I'm not against a juice. Nuts. I'm not against uh, necessarily against a juice ball per se. I'm against different balls being used though. Yeah. I mean, as long as the ball was being used, the same ball was being used in the same game, you know, it didn't change throughout the game. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I get that it was, I don't know how different, I haven't looked at the science behind it. Like, you know, how different the ball was, was the core different, was the compression different, you know, did they test all that or was it just, it was made in two different factories. Right. I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't researched it enough, but yeah, I mean, I, I get that debacle. Like baseballs were not easy to find last year. And, and you would think major league baseball would kind of have, you know, first first dibs on the factories that are putting these things together yeah but the ball's just consistently gotten harder throughout the throughout the years and that's why guys have to put stuff on it too mm-hmm. i mean they were so hard and they were so slick because they're wound so tight that they had to get pine tar or sunscreen and rosin or whatever they, they were doing just to you know get a good grip on it and then of course everything from there you know stemmed into wow if we do this this ball will spin a little bit more, a little bit right. different. And, right. you know, then it got a little crazy, but it, it probably all started because that ball was so hard that the pitchers were like, I can't even grip this thing. It's so slick and tight. Yeah. What about uh, one more thing about the CBA? What would you think about a salary floor? Not so much a cap because I don't, that's not going to happen. Unfortunately, a salary floor for the, for a, a salary per team for every team. So salary floor at least a hundred million bucks or whatever. Correct. That was obviously uh, uh, you read the same report that I did a while back. Yes, they're proposing yeah, I, a salary floor, hundred million. Each team has to spend it. What do you think about? Yeah, that? I don't know. That's hard. Like maybe it's a percentage of what they normally bring in. You know, so if a if a team has a a, a net profit of you know six hundred million dollars, then they have to you know their their floor is is. Well, that's not fair either, right? Now they can go buy more players, I guess. But, but at keep least in mind, though, them, I mean, there are yeah. two hundred million. Well, you know, all the big revenue teams, and then the the smaller market teams, maybe their floor is well one hundred million. You just yeah. don't want owners sitting on things, you know, where they're just trying to, you know, squeeze blood out of a turn up. You know, they're just trying to, you know, make money and. And they're dumping dumping players and they're dumping salaries, but right. they know they're still getting their TV revenue and they're still getting that their, was the point I was going to bring They have so maybe a percentage. I talked about I mentioned the Braves numbers. I think those numbers are based off of jersey sales, off of ballpark sales, and everything concessions. Food. I'm not sure. I'm not sure though that it 
takes into account TV money. Yeah. I'm not sure. I maybe, maybe I, it does. I don't, I don't know. But yeah. So you you wouldn't so would you I mean you're not are you for against or against a salary floor? I'm all for it as long I'm as for, I, I would be about. for it. I would be for it, but I don't think it's fair to have that floor too high for small market teams. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's gotta be a I mean it can't be it can't be twenty eight million. But it can't right? it, it can't it, be maybe a hundred million. Maybe that's too much. Yeah. I mean, maybe for, you know, a, a larger market team, but a larger market team, they're going to go out and get free agents because they can't anyway. So they're not going to have to worry about a floor. Right. You know, you're not seeing large markets dump players. I don't think at the trade deadline, are we? Did we see any of that at large market teams? I mean, if they do, it's a quick reset and then it's back to, you know. Yeah, it's Cincinnati, right? It's it's Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Boy, Seattle sure made a lot of moves this offseason already. Some, Seattle made some moves. They did. They yeah. did. Are we doing somebody from there? Or no. No, maybe not. What's that? I thought we were going to do a free agent from there. Maybe not. Yeah, Kyle, uh, Kyle Seeger, right? Kyle Seeger. No, we're doing Corey Seeger. That's, yeah. But that's like well, well down the line. Yeah. There may not be baseball then. They'll get this done. They'll get it done by like February. Okay. I, here's, one of, here's my prediction. They get it done. 2.30 a.m. February 14th, 2022. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my prediction. They're going to just play this out December, January, and, you know. Uh, they're going to take some time off, right? It's nice. Holiday time. Yeah. Time with the family. It's nice while everybody sits around on their hands and waits for something to happen. Wait for baseball, yeah. Uh, John Heyman posted on Twitter. He's a writer, for those who don't know. He's on MLB Network, et cetera, et cetera. And he posted on Twitter who he voted for for the Hall of Fame. And he happened to vote for Barry Bonds, not Roger Clemens. But he voted for Barry Bonds. I would have voted for Barry Bonds, still would. And I would also vote for Roger Clemens. I'm, I think that the whole steroid era type thing has to and same thing with Pete Rose, by the way. We've talked I mean, that was we talked about that on the Pete Rose Mechanical Breakdown series. He should be in the Hall of Fame. And I think those two and other guys should also be in the hall from that era should also be in the Hall of Fame as well. You can make a steroid wing or a steroid era type wing in the Hall of Fame, but those guys, Bonds, Clemens, they should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. I think it's well overdue at this point. Yeah, I mean I I don't know. I didn't play against him. You know, I didn't play against him. I didn't, I think that's some, some of the hard part. I don't, I don't know. You know, if you play against him and you know that guys are cheating and uh, they make you look bad, like you're a pitcher and Barry, Barry goes off on you when he's 40 years old, you know, um, I don't know how that makes different people feel. I will say he was an amazing player and he yes. was an amazing player when he, when he, was you know 190 pounds or 180 pounds he was a great player um clemens was an absolute you know beast and he Mm -hmm. was he was a cy young winner when he was young like he was dominant when he was with the red Sox. you know before you know all the other stuff came out so and we're not saying that they did anything by the way it's alleged that they did i don't think roger i i honestly don't believe roger clemens did anything i i truly don't deep down i really don't and i and bonds Make your own assertions. I mean, it's pretty obvious, yeah. but he was a great Clemens thing was before. like, but he tested positive, right? Or was he just no, in a report? And he it was said his a, wife it, was using it or something. It was a report. It, he never tested. It was a report. It wasn't a test. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I didn't look into it all. Yeah, and his much, body but. type too. You, you look at his body type, and it's not the type of performance enhancing drug body type. Bonds, on the other hand, again, you people. Gosh, on did those, you see any of the McGuire? Some of the. I watched 61 the other night with mm-hmm. my, uh, with my kid. Yeah. Um, such a, such a, that was a really, Billy Crystal did a good job with that movie, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, they showed a lot of actual clips of Maris's kids when they went to see, you know, McGuire break, break their dad's record and all that. I mean, I forgot how ginormous Mark McGuire was. Oh yeah. Like what was his, what was his arm size? I'm gonna look that up. <sighs> I don't Remember? know how they got a jersey. I don't know. Man, I mean, just his forearms. He must have had like 30-inch forearms. He was so he was so big. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's a different body, right, when you look at that. 
um, when you look at that body and, uh, you know, Bonds obviously got really big and now you see Bonds now and he's, you know, 100, 175 pounds, you know, he looks yeah. great. And I don't know, you know, there, everything is, is what is, all I know is, you know, they were great players, better than most everyone else in the league. They, um, they were, you know, good teammates. They were hard, hard workers. Like they would give everything they had and nothing was, you know, nothing was proven. Nothing was cut and dry. You know, this actually happened. And I think that's what makes it tough is that there's, there's so much silly speculation in there. I think if anything, the steroids, you know, they, they don't make you throw strikes. Right. They don't make you hit fine barrels. They don't make you hit home runs. They they make you feel better. They make you age less as you get older. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're still putting up really good weight when you should be declining and your you know, your muscle mass, you know, goes down usually what is it, age thirty five or something like that. You know, not that obviously not for you. Well, yeah. you're not there yet. You know? I'm not there. So, I'm not not there yet. I'm not but, really all that. You know, crazy. that's what it does. It, it allowed, it, it, and I'm not saying they did it, but people that did it, it allowed them to compete for longer, right? I mean, Hank Aaron hit 700 and whatever, 55 home runs because he played for a really long time. Pete Rose had hits because he played till he was 50 years old, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like, he played for a really long time. Like, he you're going to get numbers when you play for a long time. So, when your body is in shape and it, it's um, like Tom Brady, you know, it's still competing right now, yeah. then, then you can compete and put up numbers for a longer time. But by no, it doesn't make your vision better. It doesn't make you react to pitches. It may make you get to pitches a little bit quicker than you would when you're 30, 36 or 37 years old, but it's, it's not going to help you hit a baseball. Tampa Brady here in Champa Bay. Can be here for another three years. I'm predicting. <laughs> Mark McGuire, um, by the way, 17 inch forearms, 19 inch biceps. Pfft, it's nothing. I got. I got that. Is that like just half of his bicep? No, that's his whole bicep. Okay. <laughs> um, was that when he right. came up? Uh, that was in 1990, like eight or something. Okay, no, not when he came up. Then. No, when he came up. Although he was pretty big when he came up. He was pretty yeah. muscular. It's a different no? look. Do you yeah. look? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different person. Uh, let's, well, so is Bonds. All right. I mean, come on. Maybe they just hit the gym, yeah. though. I mean, they just, you know. Pumping iron? Pumping Pump, iron. Pumping all that iron, huh? Protein shakes. Yeah, that's right. Amino acids. That's right. Tom Brady, by the way, speaking of, speaking of which, he's proving that you don't need to take performance enhancing drugs to play into your 40s, into, into or, your 40s. Or do you? I don't know. No way. I mean. You ever read his diet? <laughs> yes. I'd be in a bad mood every day if I ate what he ate. There's no way. <laughs> All right. Uh, really quick, before we get to our Freeman um, swing breakdown. We have a listener question. You want to do a listener question? Sure. All right. I'm glad you said sure because that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. This comes to us from Tom. He's following up from a question that he uh, that he gave us a couple of weeks ago. He says, hi, Jim. Finally got around to watching episodes again. Had a few week outage where I stepped away from baseball content. Thanks for answering my question on off-season training for Little Leaguers. Episode 79 was good, not just because you answered my question, LOL. JJ's question in regards to teaching human movement was a good topic you two dove into. I'll tell you what about JJ. He is like our, uh, he's like our go-to listener uh, interactor. Mm-hmm. He's question, got good topics. Questionnaire. Good yeah. he's, uh, he's our Pat from Munaki to our Opie and Anthony. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, look it up some other time if you're really all that curious um as a parent slash coach this is again from tom to an eight-year-old you see these youtube instructional videos and in the back of my mind i'm thinking no way i can get these kids to do most of these defensive drills my own kid forgets his right foot from his left still this kid what eight eight right eight years old yeah thought he was nine in that last email i guess he's eight anyway um Thanks for reading my question 
on the podcast. And he goes on to say, we live in Fairfax County in Oak Hill, which is in the middle of Reston, Herndon, Chantilly. I, that's, I like that area. That's pretty yeah, country. That's again from Tom from Northern Virginia. Tom, great question. Thank you very much for writing in to the podcast. What was the question, Jim? How to get your kid to do those those things on YouTube? You're not you weren't listening, were you? Tom, I'll be honest. I don't know how they do it either. Uh, I watch some of these defensive things, and I'm like, this is really impressive stuff. These are some really dedicated kids. Yeah. So Uh, he's he's basically saying, no way. I guess this is question, but he's he worded it in a statement. He said, no way I can get these kids to do most of the defensive drills. My own kid forgets his right foot from his left still. So I'll tell you what it takes. Yeah, it takes time. Yeah. It takes a lot of time and a lot of repetition. And probably what you're not seeing is, uh, you know, are the steps taken to get to that boom, 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 you know, that that left, right, left, you know, go plant or whatever they're, they're working on with defense. I'm sure it's, you know, they're working just one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. Okay, let's add the other foot. Okay, then we go boom, boom, you know, left, right. Then go left, right, left, right. Then we're going to go left, right, left, you know they're probably break it down and those kids have been doing it for, you know, four months and they look that good um, on Twitter. Everything looks good on Twitter, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes when Jim, when you post some of the clips on Twitter, I look really good. And I'm like, Oh, it's not sometimes it's Twitter is a great filter. So yeah, no, I, I, you know, you know what somebody told me once, you know what a guy told me, you know what somebody told me once he said, if a girl has to use filters all the time on her pictures and videos, et cetera, et cetera. You just do you, bro. We don't use filters on this show. No, no, we we obviously don't have any filters. Mm -hmm. But no, Tom, when I when I look at those videos too, and um, you know, I'm coaching, you know, eleven year olds, ten year olds, and I'm like, yeah, we're not looking like that either. But you just do one step at a time. You just kind of keep getting better every single day. And um, you know what would probably help is if you weren't teaching your own kid. Yeah. Trust me, I know. Like, I try to teach my kid defense, you know? No, there's no listening. I barely get her to listen to me when I talk about hitting, and that's what I do. But then when she says, it's not Epstein defense, it's Epstein hitting. (laughs) So then I have to say, okay, well, have this person tell you how to do your footwork and get your butt in the right spot and you get your hands out in front, you know, and then she'll listen. So that could be it too, Tom. Have somebody Does else. Does she really say kid. that to you? Which one says it? Yeah. Yeah. She, Vivian, she's a, she's yeah. a smart little 11 year old. Yeah. So, she, she, so she actually of, came back. At you. She came back yeah. at you once and said, it's Epstein hitting, not Epstein fielding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I, I still know, like, I, I coach college baseball. Oh, my God. I had, I had to be able to teach people oh, how to field, man. too. I only played pro so, ball. Yeah. Okay. We, were, we were talking about the, the backhand crossover, right? Yeah. The backhand, you cross over. Right. You're an outfielder, but, you know, do you, it's, it, it, it's, uh, I don't know the right, what right way to this, because when I was in the minor leagues, our fielding coordinator didn't want you on a backhand to take, cross over your your throwing leg your right leg so for you being left-handed if you were doing a backhand right okay although First is that base. weird but if you were doing a backhand you would keep your right you wouldn't take your right foot in front of your left foot well, you would you oh like okay I, so I you see. would feel it but you would still you would you wouldn't cross all the way over no you, right? you, so, you, what you so you would do what you would you would you would bend that if I'm left hand. I'm playing first base. You would bend, you would bend, bend the right knee. Foot. You don't cross over. You you bend right. You see, see. I and think so Bob, would, I think Javi Baez does that right now. Currently, yeah. And, and I don't anyway, know the right way because in college, I mean, I, nobody was ever taught anything when I played. So I just took my my leg and I always crossed over to do a backhand. And then when I was playing third base in pro, like I got hurt, so I had to play third base. <laughs> that was fun. And, and we were doing, and the infield coordinator was like, no, 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 you, you want to do this. I was like, well, that's a lot easier. I didn't know. So yeah. I still look to the same. I don't know if I'm right. I'll have to look at uh, Trombley or, or no, is it Trombley? What's the guy? What's the infield guy? Trotsky. I, th- I think, Trotsky. Um, I think it would be. So I'm going to, I'm going to surmise here. I'm going to play Jimmy know-it-all for a second. I think it would be based off of a guy's range. How good, how good or bad their range is. 
and how, I had none. So maybe that's why he told maybe. me that. And how good or bad their footwork is too. Yeah. And, or their arm strength, you know, because I feel, I feel like you get rid of the baseball quicker if you don't do the cross step from deep short in the hole, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't know. It, it's, again, I know, but it's, I don't know. Hitting right. podcast, but now you know what I deal with. Yeah. Me. Yeah. This is, this is the Epstein hitting podcast. Not so the all Epstein you fielding podcast. It's, it's not just you. Right. It's not just you. They don't listen to it. I hope I don't have a, a daughter someday now. I don't know. You know, although, although oh, your son will be, he'll I, just be a little prick. I know. He, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Whatever dad. Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. Nothing. You're right. You know what? You're going to be like, <laughs> you're right. I didn't do anything. Just, just do it. <laughs> do what the fuck you want. I don't care. Just do it. Play. You know, play hockey. I know. Play hockey. I don't there know anything about hockey. I just watch I like as hockey. a fan. Occasionally, I hear you. You know, just watch. Just play hockey. And try to do what they do, and don't play baseball. I, that should, that should be the answer to Tom's. That should be the answer to Tom's question. By the way, just encourage your kid to do something else. Don't play yeah. baseball. Okay, son. If you don't want to listen to me with your footwork, why don't you go play uh, lacrosse or something? Yeah, that's this, something that's I know nothing. Sport. There was a coach uh, a couple of years ago at the professional level I was talking to and his son was always, his son was very young at the time. I think it's like seven or eight years old. And he would, in the summer after he was done school, his family lived in Michigan, but they came to Florida to see their dad, of course, during Mm -hmm. the summer, like a summer vacation type deal. And the seven-year-old, his name was Liam. Liam always had a soccer ball in the clubhouse, like all the time. He was always kicking that soccer ball. And I remember talking to his dad about it. And his dad said to me, I have no idea how to help him with that. So he's on his own. <laughs> so there you go. Just See? let him go. Yeah, just whatever, man. It's a good idea. Do what you want. All right, Freddie Freeman, uh, episode 81. Be sure to like, subscribe. Uh, thank you, Tom, for the question. Jimbo Podcast 21, gmail.com for all of your questions. Reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, at Jim Tara, at Epstein Hitting. And, of course, subscribe to the show, The Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast on YouTube, Apple, Google, Spotify. Let's get to Freddie Freeman, Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 18. I'm pulling up a swing right now. A couple of numbers I want to throw out at you here mvp five-time all-star last season hit 300 on the nose 31 home runs 83 rbis ops of 896 how is he not the mvp again i'm not taking anything away from bryce certainly not he had a great year great year but freeman i just read the numbers by the way 120 runs most in the league 695 plate appearances, most in the league. Those two correlate and connect together. And if you don't know how, I'm too tired to explain it. <laughs> so that's a lot of plate appearances. You only had 83 RBIs, though. Oh, you got me there. Yes. Yeah, that's that. That's the. I was like, did he get hurt? Did he miss time? Maybe that's why he only had 83 RBIs. Seems seems like. Uh, Let me look. Hold on. A little bit less was the slight percentage down. Hold on. Hold on. Maybe he scored more runs. Maybe he was uh, in front of everyone. So, all right. 159 games. 600 at-bats. 393 on-base percentage. Slugging 503. So not a huge slugging percentage. Finished ninth in the MVP voting. But... Not easy, but his on base percentage is killer. 395. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Pretty I know. Good. I'm saying. Okay, so we're going to break down Freddie. Uh, and this. Oh, wait, before you do that, I, I just want to throw out, throw out three more. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hit the record button. You did. And then I had to stop it. I'm sorry. Hold on. I want to throw out before you do the swing breakdown. I want to throw out really interesting numbers. You'll like this, though. This will correlate to what you're about to do. Uh, I'm sure they don't call me Jimmy podcast for nothing. His pull (laughs) percentage last year, 27%. He's left-handed batter for those who don't know. And if you don't know, you probably shouldn't be listening to the show anyway. Um, Center field. He hit it to center field, 54%. Opposite field, 18%. But the thing that I circle hit it up the middle, back up the box, 54% 54% of the time last year in 2021. What does that tell you about his swing? Well, 
Yeah, I mean, his swing, we'll see. He's he's kind of set up for center field. You know, he, he doesn't have a lot of wrists in the swing. Like, he doesn't flip um, a lot. He has he has good extension. He does have a little bit of a barrel drop, and sometimes when you do that, you'll finish a little bit higher and swing up, mm-hmm. which means, you know, when he pulls balls, he might pull them on the ground a little bit too much, you know, and so he fights that. Um, you know, the only problem with going back through the middle nowadays is, the damn second baseman or shortstop seems to be playing there, you know? So, so yeah. he's an up the middle in the air guy, which, which you have to be now to be successful because if you hit a line drive up the middle, it's an out now, most of the time, like I'm, I'm pretty sure the shortstop is probably playing almost right behind second base, you know, up the middle when he's playing. So it'd be interesting to see that spray chart in terms of um, how high he hits the ball. So like, I'd love to see what his um, launch angle average launch angle is to left his average launch angle to center and his average launch angle to the pull side that would be really cool information um to kind of go along what we're going to go through here and you can chime in jim i'm going to continue the analysis here but um if if we look at this swing with freddie um this is obviously from last year two years ago so i apologize for that i didn't have any current one i could I, i could find um you could tell by the the very quiet cardboard people in the background. So that's how we know this is 2020. Um, and this is cool because it's a high pitch. And, and typically left-handed hitters have a hard time with high pitches. Okay. So I'm going to bring him, I mean, by high pitch, it's pretty high. You know, I mean, it's, it's not dropping very much. So if I put our, our pitch plane on there, that ball, yeah, probably dropping three degrees. I mean, that is a that's a high spin rate fastball up there, only dropping three degrees crossing him. And you can see, you know, back in here, if he was late, he would have missed it, right? So he would have, you know, he would have swung under that. If he gets to here, he probably fouls it straight back. And he hits it pretty much in the perfect spot, obviously, on the way up. So you can see now his barrel's here. And then you can see a frame after contact, his barrel's here. So, uh, you know, this swing, Fre- Freddie's an interesting case because I see this a lot with him where his, his barrel, like he's not on plane. And typically, if I would see a swing plane like this, where the barrel drops underneath the pitch plane, you know, it kind of goes like this, right, and starts working up kind of all the way through this way, you know, that's his, that's his swing plane. Okay. That's his barrel plane. Okay. Actually his barrel was down here even lower, kind of went like this and then like that. Okay. But when I see that, that's a guy that hits 250 or 260. So he doesn't always do this is the interesting part. He's in such control of his swing that you'll see him actually change it. And I saw it during the world series this year when he was struggling early in the series, or maybe it was the, the, the NLCS, I don't know, when he was struggling. And then all of a sudden he was like, because he was fouling everything off. And that's how you'll know when Freeman is, is off because he's hitting the ball too deep and he's under it and he's fouling it straight back. And so all of a sudden that happened for, I don't know, 10, 12 at bats. And then he made an adjustment to try to keep his barrel up longer. And, and to me, that's just, that's either really good coaching you know, if, if, uh, you know, they're hitting coach staff and they have an older, they have like a veteran, they had a veteran staff who was, why can't I think of his name? Um, they're hitting coach. They play with the Royals. I'm on it. The, uh, what's his name anyway? Um, yeah, but they had, a, they, you know, they, they were very experienced guys. So whatever he made that adjustment, it's really cool. But on this pitch right here, Freddie had a very small window to hit this ball. His window was about that big. Kevin Seitzer, by the way, was the hitting Seitzer. coach. Seitzer, yes, Seitzer, Kevin Seitzer. Been around a long time, okay? And so you can see, like, that was the only window. Again, this pitch cruising in at whatever we looked at here, three degrees, okay? And he hits it. Um, I guess that window would have been a little bit bigger than that. He probably hit it right in there. And if your timing is good, you're going to be good. If I'm not mistaken... Freeman had LASIK years ago. Mm-hmm. You're right. I, and, and I think it, it really changed his career. Like he became like his vision drastically improved when he had it. Um, 
And for me, if you have really good vision and you have really good timing and you have a really quick bat, then you're, you know, you don't have to be on plane as long. Okay. Because your timing trumps that timing trumps swing plane issues. Timing, timing trumps everything. If you have great timing, if you have the ability to hit the ball in a small window all the time, like I'm always going to let the ball get, you know, right here on a pitch that's middle in, I'm always going to let a ball, you know, hit a ball, you know, whatever here when it's just down the middle. And then I'm always going to hit the ball back here when it's outside. Like if you have the ability to do that, when guys are throwing 95 to hundred miles an hour, and then they're throwing breaking stuff, then you, you have elite vision and, and eye, eye hand coordination skills. So he obviously has that. Now, let's break down a couple other things. What does he do really good? Watch how close the bat gets to his head and shoulder when he rotates. Okay, so right here, I mean, that's about as short to the ball as you can get. You can see this angle right here between his lead form and the bat. I was working on that with one of my high school guys tonight. You know, that angle, sub 90 degrees, I can put a number on it so we can see it. But, I mean, that would be the, you know, opposite of casting 82 degrees right there. So that in golf would be he's hinging his wrist coming down, okay? And then he's going to get the knob out in front. You can really see him pull the knob out in front and then release the barrel and then extend through with his top hand. You can see how high his power V is here. So when you see guys that have a high power V, okay? So when this left arm is above horizontal, that typically means their barrel was low at some point and they had to get it back up, okay? So you'll see certain guys with and typically left-handers have higher power Vs. Seeger does not. Seeger's a lower power V guy. Okay, he's a very wide guy. He's very upright, and he has a much flatter swing than somebody like Freeman. When you look at it, okay, I mean you can see how straight up Freeman is. And typically, the more straight up you are, the the, the higher you have to extend to get to different pitches. Okay, but let's take a look at his front foot because this is kind of interesting what he does. Um, and he's, you know, a, a, a right-handed thrower too, right? So sometimes you see more more goofy things. But when he plants at, you know, his front heel plants, if you stop him at heel plant, his front foot is totally closed. Totally closed. Yeah. I mean, there's probably, I don't know, a handful of guys in Major League Baseball that do that. Okay, Barry Bonds used to do it. That's why he would spin on his toe. So now let's play this through. Watch his front foot. I'm going to get rid of the box so it's not cluttering. Now watch what happens is his front knee starts to open. This puts a lot of stress on the knee, by the way. Ask Tiger Woods. Okay, like when the front foot is closed and the knee opens like this, this is, you know, that, that, that's injury prone. But what you're going to see is watch his foot. Look how long it takes his foot to open. And then when it does, it just flies open. It almost comes off the ground. Okay, and then he spins on it. So, you know, would you teach somebody to have a closed front foot? Um, you know, having a closed front foot is probably better than stepping in the bucket, okay? Um, if having a closed front foot helps your front shoulder stay down, then that would be okay. But for the most part, when I have players that do this, they're always right-handed throwing left-handed hitters. Just, just the way it is. Like, I've never had a lefty hitter, lefty thrower do it, and I've never had a righty thrower, righty hitter do it. Because when we play catch, we don't step like that, do we? We no. would never step like that if we were going to go play catch with our dad or our buddy. And so he doesn't play catch left-handed, right? He plays catch right-handed. I'm, I'm sorry, he doesn't play catch left-handed. He plays catch right-handed. I don't know if I said that or not. But, and so he was probably he probably does this to stay on pitches. Um, one of the other things that's really cool about Freeman is if you watch his um, – there's, there's a video on, you know, pr probably Twitter, okay? But it's like an MLB video behind the scenes of how he worked on the seat. And he just tries to shoot balls the other way off the tee. Try, he tries to, like, he says, I try to hit it low, and I try to hit it the opposite way. Okay? What did he do here? He pulled it, and he hit it really high for a home run. So just because he's working on things, maybe he has a tendency of swinging up too much or finishing too high. So when he's off the tee, he's got to really think about sliding the ball down and hitting the ball low to the opposite field. So to each their own, know what your swing is like. Know what makes you good. Um, and do that and stick with that. And don't worry what other people tell you. If other people tell you, if, if you're like, you know what, I, that, that doesn't match up. I, I pull the ball just fine. Like, I don't need to sit there and pull balls off the tee or pull balls off front toss. Like, I, I get in games and I clear my hip. What I'm not really good at is going the other way. And that's what you need to work on. So what can we learn from Freddie Freeman? 
one, have good vision. <laughs> two, <laughs> make sure that, you know, that back gets close to your shoulder when you rotate. Okay. You can see his front arm's kind of straightening out a little bit too. That's fine. As long as that bat stays cocked and near your shoulder and you don't cast with it. Okay. As long as that bat stays there and not there. Okay. You're fine. Um, and then, you know, what could, what could Freddie Freeman do better on this pitch? You know, it would be to not let the hands really go down. Okay. So if you watch him from launch position, I'm just going to mark the knob of his bat here. And the knob always has to go down a little bit, but he goes from there and then that knob comes down here and then it pulls forward. This is really good. And then it starts to go up. And the more you pull the knob up, the more the barrel drops and the more the barrel drops, the more you have to finish up high with your extension. So if he could have taken the knob in a, a little bit shallower path, maybe to here, and maybe skipped that, you know, that one circle that was really low. If he could have had a hand path that was just a little shallower, then his barrel would have been on plane a little bit more. Um, not that it mattered on this pitch, but maybe the next at bat, he got that same pitch and he fouled it straight back, you know, because his barrel was a little underneath. So that's what it is. Um, it's all about maximizing your pitches that you get. What did you say? He had 600 at bats. So how many pitches did he average per at bat? You know, four pitches. So he saw 2,400 pitches. You know, in 2,400 pitches, how many cookies did he get in 2,400 pitches? 10%? 5%? 10% would be 240. 5% would be 120. So out of his pitch, he got at least 120 to 240, at least 120 to 240 cookies. Of his cookies, all he had to do was hit like 50% of his cookies for home runs and he would be like a Hall of Famer. He might be a Hall of Famer anyway, okay? But it tells you how many opportunities you really do have. You don't realize it. You think, oh, pitchers are really good. But if you go back in your season and you watch the pitches you have and you watch the pitches that you foul off, and maybe you weren't looking for a fastball, right? And you got one and you were a little bit late. But if you capitalize on your pitch throughout the season, you know, you're going to hit 60 home runs a year like, uh, you know, some somebody's going to do again. It's just kind of the way it is. You just have to have that swing path that runs into that pitch that you really hit well. And if you're somewhat on time to that cookie and you jump on it, you're going to be really, really successful. So to answer your question. That's all I have to say. All I have to say about that. <laughs> All right, Stone Cold. Um, the Freddie Freeman um, pitches per plate appearance in 2021, 3.87. That's down from 2020. I'm not going to count that. Uh, 2019, which was 3.97. Not down to, by too much, but. And uh, let's see here. Hold on. He saw 2,688 pitches last year. Say that again. So we saw 2,688 total pitches oh, out of his. Okay. Uh, hold on here. Boy, I really came prepared for tonight's show, didn't I? So um, was that six? Yeah. What did I say? 2,400 and 600 at bats. So was that 600 plate appearance? That was 600 at bats, not plate appearance. You must have had a couple. Well, okay, players. so he had that 600, did. right. So he had 695 plate appearances. There you go. Right. So he saw 2,688 pitches. Again, 26, yeah. 2,688. So over 2,600 pitches. Yeah. 2,688. Does it tell you and how many strikes there were? He saw 3.8 seven per appearance it does not uh, no but how many strikes out of the 2600 uh okay hold on uh oh that's gonna be a tough one don't worry we could edit all this out i don't think we can uh <laughs> i'm gonna uh, teach you how to do balloon animals um oh geez it's not important i don't know oh. if that stat even exists it might not exist oh yeah but do you want to guess where uh, this is according to fan graphs? Do you want to uh, a guess fan graphs? Do you want to guess uh, where his hot zones are? Yeah, I would say 
low and middle. What part of low? Like uh, knee to thigh. Well, no, no, no. I, I meant, I'm um, sorry. I meant what quadrant. So I should ask what quadrants of the zone of the four quadrant, uh, not counting yeah. down the middle. Uh, what part, what four quadrants of the four quadrants, which are his hot zones? Probably the down and in. Down away. Down and away. Mm-hmm. Up and in. Up and in. Up and in's a good one. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That was what last year. Though. Try to, now, now we've figured out why Freddie's so good. Because what do pitchers try to throw up and in and low and away? Right. Boom. Right into Freddie's, right into Freddie's bread basket. That's uh, interesting. Up and in because I think he cheats. That's what we just saw that one pitch. Were and you up want- and in is always a fastball, right? Up and in is always the same speed. Right. Low and away fits his his barrel drop a little bit for sure. Like that that kind of makes sense. Um, that's why I was like down middle, but down and in, I thought he'd be a be able to drop the bat head more. That's interesting. So, what do you think? This is according to PitcherList.com. Looking up some new stuff here. What do you think is they named his strengths? What do you think some of his strengths are? Just as a, I guess as a hitter, yeah. Uh, for me, it's like battling, fouling off tough yeah. pitches. Okay, rarely um, strikes out. Yep, yep. Yeah, like he just he fouls off a lot of pitches. Some of them are hittable, and some of them are tough. Solid contact like rate, left, right? Yeah, high contact. I feel like he uses the opposite field well. Like he uses left center well. He does, but that's not on here. I agree with you, though. Yeah. On yeah he's a hell machine. of a nice guy. Yeah, that's all that matters in the, at the end. I mean, he's a great human. He really is a great human being. Like, were you looking for a swinging strike percentage or strike percentage? Strike percentage. His strike percentage last year, I found it. I don't know how right this is though, because the on base percentage it says here on this pitcher list, it said it was it was three eighty. That was not his on base percentage last year. I mentioned it earlier in the show. That was three ninety five. Was. Right, but the strike percentage. This according to pitcher list. I could look at it on baseball savant, but yeah, we don't have time. Um, strike, take this for a grain of salt, people. But strike percentage 15.6 percent, swinging strike percentage last year 10.7 percent. So, take I guess you take those numbers and you you apply them to total number of pitches and the pitches per plate appearance, yeah. So, I multiplied what was it 15.6 percent. Mm-hmm. That I was strike that by tw- strike percentage by twenty six hundred. That was four hundred and five. So we got four hundred and five. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense. Four hundred and five strikes. Oh, hold on. So you, I took fifteen percent of like twenty six hundred. Well, we're mathematicians here. I mean, our strength. Uh, uh, I, I'm I'm not doing much better. Um, hold on. I mean, the math is find. right. Pretty sure the math is right. I don't know if that number you said of great assault. I, I believe yeah. that. I don't well, think there'd be very many pitchers in the league if you only got 15 percent strike. Well, let me yeah, ask you a question about his swing here. Let me try to let me try to salvage our reputations and ask you about something here uh, in his swing. How does he generate the maximum amount of torque with the front foot being closed as it is? He he doesn't. His, yeah. He does not have a ton of torque. How much? What do you think his torque percentages? It was probably thirty degrees. So how does he yeah. how does he generate the power? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, a lot of it comes from the whip when he sets that yeah. bat. Remember that 82 degrees back there? Mm-hmm. That has a lot to do with it. He rotates fast, like his muscles move fast. Um, you know, how did Hank Aaron do it? They said he had fast wrists. Yeah. You know, all this, all the old school stuff, you know, big forearms, you know, big hands, all the, all the old school stuff that like doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. You know, it all has to be science. Mm-hmm. It It does make sense to people that played. Like when they talk about having strong forearms and wrists, like that saves you. That does accelerate the bat at the last second. Um, it's not just about separation, you know, or pushing up from the ground. Um, 
you know, so, sometimes it's not. I mean, you see, God, I see a lot of ugly swings that hit the ball really hard and, and far. So I, I, I'm amazed. I, you know, I had players uh, in yesterday that I worked with, and they were both 165 pounds. And one kid hit the ball 90, he maxed out at 94 miles an hour. Like that's really good for somebody that size. Mm-hmm. And the other kid was at like 86. Yeah. Both, both fairly athletic kids, same exact weight, both good mechanics. I've worked with them since they were, you know, 13 years old, right? Sure. And they're like 16 now, yeah. you know, meaning I taught them the same way. Their mechanics are very, very, very similar. Why is one kid more explosive than the other? He does something. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's genetics. It's explosiveness. Does he create more torque? I I don't know. Not from the naked eye. So, I mean, we talked about Correa, you know, doesn't have a ton of torque either. We'll get to him as well. Um, And then some guys do have a ton of torque. Who did we look at last week? Baez has a ton of torque. Is that what gives him power or is it something else? So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's like a true, you know, I mean, there's guys that have 40 degrees of torque and there's guys that have 26 degrees of, of separation. And it's like, uh, they're both big leaguers. Right. And I have kids in that same room. This kid's really good and this kid's bad. And he's got better torque. So torque is an athletic movement. Now you have to have it. Mm-hmm. And he has it, just to be clear. Freeman does have it. Absolutely he has it, but he doesn't sell out. And therefore he has less risk with his lower half. Like with because his front side is kind of closed at heel plant, he can keep his hands back a little bit longer, you know, on an off speed pitch and foul it off. Yeah. Where maybe somebody we looked at Baez last week, Baez doesn't have that because when his front foot lands, man, he's got so much torque and separation that his front side is going. And he's not going to be able to keep his hands back as long as somebody like Freeman. But Freeman's a lot bigger human being, right? So maybe he doesn't have to have as much, have as many moving parts and build as much momentum as somebody like Baez. So I have to ask you, though, would you teach a Freddie Freeman type swing? Yes, it's just his way of doing it. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the best way to say it. Like, his hips lead the hands, his front shoulders down. He has no bat drag. There's no casting. The bat mm-hmm. goes right next to his shoulder. He gets the knob out in front and he has a good, good extension. And his back shin comes down. He doesn't squish the bug or collapse his backside. Like he, he's doing everything. He does it with a closed front foot. Right. And a so, closed okay. front hip. Yeah. And then that part of the swing kicks in a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So. I probably, no, I wouldn't say, look, I want you to have your front foot closed like this and your front knee closed at heel plan. There's, there's no way I would teach that because mm-hmm. it's hard on the body and it's not a natural move. But mm-hmm. I've had probably 10 or 15 players since, you know, whatever, since I've been teaching, it's not common at all that do that, that drop their front heel. They're usually shortstops. They're like middle infielder, left-handed hitter, right-handed throwers. And they do the same thing and their hips just aren't natural. And I've tried to, okay, we got to open up that front knee. We got to open up that front foot. Right. And it's so hard for them. And then when they do it, they pull off. And so we just scrap it. And it's like, okay, buddy, you are what you are. You need to get bigger and stronger as much as you can, but you're going to be a line drive gap hitter where Freddie yeah. still creates a lot of power with it because he's, he's a big guy. Like he's, what is he? Six, four. Like, yeah, you know, right around that. He's got a lot certain of shortstop, certain hall of fame shortstop too, that hit with a, uh, front foot closed. Cheater? I don't know. Oh, very good. Did Jeter have it? It was. Jeter have it? Very good. Yes. That's because the only reason I said that is because he used to spin on his heel, remember? Yeah. His front heel would spin. So usually when you see guys spin on the heel violently, it's because their front foot was closed for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Barry Bond, same way. Like, mm-hmm. same thing. And then it comes flying over. So people are like, oh, you got to spin on your front heel. And it's like, that was just a result of their hips clearing their foot out instead of their foot allowing their hips to come through. So let me ask you this before we've given people radio gold here tonight. Again, we did after, after radio bronze for a while. (laughs) And now video and now video gold too. So people can watch these breakdowns, the lab Epstein hitting podcast, YouTube page, um, 290 career postseason hitter, Freddie Freeman. 
we're gonna play let's play jake gm again would you resign him if you're the braves 100 percent. actually let me take that back you're not the braves gm would you go out and try and sign him yes 100 percent. good i'm with you yeah no, I, I, and again not just because of what he does on the field he mm-hmm. makes people around him better yeah like he's a glue He's not going to go into a clubhouse and destroy it. He's going to unite a clubhouse. That's why That's why I would overpay for somebody like him. But I, I just, I don't know if he's a guy that, I mean, he, he should, you know, he's going to, I know the Yankees really want, want him, but that's mm-hmm. just a big, I mean, that's a big step. Yeah. You've been with an organization your whole life and then you go to the Yankees mm-hmm. late in your career. Yeah. I don't know. Jason Giambi did that. Oh, he got trouble a little bit there. I don't think he was his oldest Freeman, though. Yeah, maybe not. It may have been his first big contract, huh? But Yankees yeah, took our I, kidneys. I, I would. Red Sox took our heart. And you guys are in here talking about the same good body nonsense. Like we're looking at jeans for Fabio or whatever that line was. <laughs> Moneyball. Good movie. I know. Um, all right. I would sign Freddie Freeman, too. Next week we are doing. Um, by the way, I've, before we get to next week, are you going to be? Because uh, I'm going to ask that question every week. Are you going to be asking the same or answering the same way every week? Would you sign him? I would. <laughs> With all the free agents? Yeah. Sure. I got an empty check. I got an I mean, open checkbook. All of them. All of them. Who do we have? So next week. Next week, well, okay, so we have Marcus Simeon next week. People can see this on the graphic. Marcus Simeon next week. Then the following week is Carlos Correa. No, no, I'm sorry. Following week is Chris Bryant, third base. That's the fifth position on the field. In case you're keeping score at home. Um, And then Correa is at short. He's the... I guess it all depends on money, right? I mean, that has a big thing. Schwarber is then at... Schwarber and then Taylor and then... Custom. I mean, you look at what Corey Seager just signed for mm-hmm. to age 38 mm-hmm. as a shortstop. I don't know. I mean, he's going to be. Well, we'll get to for... him, though. Don't, don't, you don't want to spoil it. We'll yeah. get to him in many, we'll many weeks him. from now. Yeah. But next week is Marcus Simeon. Yeah. I always spell his name Boy, wrong. The Rangers sure. Spent a lot of money on a couple infielders last week. I hope it works out. It reminds me of like the Padres in 2015 where they went like all in and then had to rip it down because they just underperformed. Yeah. It's a nice ballpark. I hope that doesn't happen. To it is. I, I, I think they're moving the right way. And their yeah. farm system is really like up and coming. Yeah. Like they got some prospects. They got some. Bobby there. Wynn Jr. He can play. Mm-hmm. That guy can play. He's electric. Who'd you say? Bobby Witt Jr. No, he's with uh, he's with the Royals. Oh, he's with the Royals. Mm-hmm. But he can play. His, right. his, I'm sorry, his dad was with Bobby yeah. Witt Sr. was not a very good shortstop, but he could pitch. His son's alive. He's with the Royals. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind on the Rangers. I'm off their farm system. No, they actually do have a good farm system. Well, let me look it up here. Now I'm curious. Yeah, they're 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 trending the right way. Um I'm going to look up Texas Rangers prospects here. Hold on. Hope they don't have any middle infield prospects because those chances are gone. This is according to MLB.com. Damn it. Didn't pull up the on my phone. Hold on. Stupid phone. Okay, here it is. Jack Leiter, number one. Decent. Decent. Josh Jung, third baseman, number two. He was good. Texas Maybe that's who you were thinking. Of. Cole Wynn, right-handed Texas. pitcher, number three. Uh, Justin Foscue, second baseman, number four. Sam Huff, catcher, first baseman, number five. Yeah. No, I just read something on. Uh, I don't know what it was on, but it was. I think their farm system was ranked one of the top uh, farm systems this year. Yeah. So they're moving the right way. So it was time for them to spend. So Marcus Simeon, who was a free agent, will be doing him next week. What do you got coming up at the lab? It's that dreaded time of the show where I ask you what's coming up. On Tuesday, Mm -hmm. tomorrow, Yeah, 
I will be at the lab just in time to yell at my favorite students. Yep. You know who you are. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'll be at the lab and then we have our, uh, college camp at the end of the month or actually right after the new year, uh, our college players coming in, um, baseball and softball. So that'll be, that'll be exciting to see them too. And then we're going to probably throw in a couple mini camps, um, fielding, hitting and fielding, uh, mini camps over Christmas break for all the kids that, uh, want to get better. And most importantly, their parents need them out of the house. Yeah. During Christmas break. <laughs> That's right. So we yeah, so all have some of those too. Log on to the lab bcs.com. I have my uh my phone here. Really quick, uh, what's uh, what's the lab's phone number? Such a see jerk. What, see what I did there? Get it. Such a jerk. I've, 4465. I'm four of the, I'm full of the uh corny jokes tonight. 4465, right? I don't know. It's your 400 I don't know. See, the problem is I have like five phone numbers. It's on the graphic, so people should be watching the show. There it too. is, right there. There it is. But Close. the best part is you can go to www.thelabbcs.com and there's the number on there, 979. Yeah. And then you just click on it and it automatically calls. Go and look it up. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, I know it's four four six four four sides. I don't know the middle numbers. Hold on. Oh my gosh, they're gonna take away my key. You're the owner. I know. Here's the phone number. Nine seven nine something for, the, four, for those four, listening. Six, nine seven nine nine eight five four four six. Nine eight five. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, and also, people don't don't forget that. The online Epstein Hitting Academy is pretty good as well. It's bad. Say it. Dollar sign, dollar sign. Yeah. That's All it. Right. I'm telling you, I hear from so many people that, that uh, listen and watch the podcast that are, that are online members. Mm-hmm. I bet two-thirds of them are like podcast listeners and, uh, you know, are always like, hey, you were talking about this, this, this. So it's awesome. Yeah, yeah definitely do that. EpsteinHitting.com. Click on the online academy. It's you and me. You set, you upload videos through the app. It's so easy to do. Uh, five seconds later, they come to me. I voice over them. I share it right back to you through the app. We can chat through there about different things. I can give you drills through there. So it's really cool, especially this time of year when people are starting to really ramp up. I'd take advantage of that for sure. So what is it again? That one's easy. Epsteinhitting.com. I bet you Cassidy Shomo knows the number to uh I bet you I bet you Bailey Hempel knows the number to the lab BCS. Nobody too. knows phone numbers anymore, Jim. That's true. Yeah, everybody Nobody texts knows and phone does all that stuff. No, Epstein, and they definitely don't. They know how to get there because Epsteinhitting.com. You know, Highway six to Peach Creek Road. And if you don't want to do that online. What is it? Epsteinhitting.com. All right. Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon next week. Talk to you next week. Have a nice, have a nice one. Bye-bye. See ya.